All right, everybody got your Bibles? We're going to move kind of quickly. I have to catch a plane. To, I got to preach in Galveston, Texas tonight. So I got to catch a plane right after service. So look, we're going to move real quickly. John chapter 14, verse 16. Jesus is talking here. He says, And I will pray the Father, and He'll give you another helper, that He'll abide with you forever. Two Sundays ago, we began this subject talking about it's great living with a holy helper. It's great living with the Holy Helper. And, and then we discovered that it's always been God's will for us to have a helper. He didn't put us here on earth to be alone. In fact, he said in Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2 verse 18, the first thing he said, and the Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a what? Helper. Everybody say helper. He said, I will make him a helper. Now think about it. Man, Adam, is in the Garden of Eden. It is perfect. It's perfect. The weather's perfect. The environment's perfect. There's no global warming or lack of global warming. There is no disease. There's no sickness. There's no germs. There's nothing like that. It is beautiful. He is healthy. He, there is no sickness in the Garden of Eden. There is no pain. There is no suffering. He's got beautiful, wonderful, delicious food to eat, all he could ever enjoy. He's got things to do. The Lord told him to tend to the garden and take care of the garden. So he's got, he's got reason for living. He's got a purpose in life. He's got it made. But God says you need a helper. Now, if he, had, if he was in that environment, in that type of life, with all the stuff he had to make his life comfortable, and he needed a helper, how much more now do we need a helper? Because I promise you, Murfreesboro is not the Garden of Eden. How many have discovered that? Memorial is not streets of gold. Get out there and you'll see it real quickly. God says you need a helper. Now, why did man need a helper? Look what it says in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9. God said this through the wisest man Solomon. He said two people are better off than one. For they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. And, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. So God's, God created man and the first thing God did for man is he created him a helper. God has always wanted you and I to have a helper. So he created us a helper in the natural. But then God says... Especially when man sin, you got to have help spiritually. You got to have help. So what did God do? God created the law. We would refer to it as the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. God says man is he sinned. Now he's not in the Garden of Eden. Man will destroy himself. His flesh will drive him to the point of bringing the judgment of God, and man will destroy himself. So God sent a helper, and that helper was the law, the Ten Commandments. And the law, the Ten Commandments, were given to be a boundary for man. 
It didn't restore relationship and fellowship with God, but it kept man from bringing down the wrath of God. All right? In fact, look what Paul said about the law. Turn to Galatians. Galatians chapter 3, verse 23 in the New Living Translation. How many brought your Bibles? How many got them? Okay, good. Galatians chapter 3, verse 23. Notice what Paul said. Before the way of... Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us. He says, before a person could get saved, before Jesus had paid the price for sin, when we were still, mankind was still under the law, he said, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed, until Christ came. Let me put it another way, he says in verse 24. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us. Notice it helped us. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. Now, listen to what he says in the New King James. The New King James says it this way. The law, or the Ten Commandments, was our tutor. One translation says it was our schoolmaster. It was our helper to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. So God says man needs a helper, he created woman. God says they needs a spiritual helper, or he's going to destroy himself, so God gave him the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments only kept man confined. It didn't bring man life. It only gave man, man some boundaries, so man could toil in this life. And God says, I long for fellowship with man. I long to have the fellowship that we had in the Garden of Eden. So God sent Jesus. He says man needs a helper. So God sent Jesus. Look at Galatians chapter 4 verse 4. But when the right time came, aren't you glad the right time finally came? I said, aren't you glad the right time finally came? When the right time came, God sent His Son. Born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent Him to buy freedom For all of us, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. So God wanted to have fellowship, and he sent Jesus. Jesus helped us know the Father. Remember what uh, uh, Thomas said? Show us the Father. And Jesus said, well, Thomas, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Whatever Jesus said was the Father saying. However Jesus acted is how... The Father acted. So Jesus helped us. He showed us the character and the nature of the Father. I tell you how else Jesus helped us. Jesus helped us to overcome the fear of death. The greatest fear that mankind ever had prior to Jesus Christ was death. Because when a person died, people didn't know where they went or what happened to them. When a person died, it was over with. And it was probably some type of terrible eternal life. But Jesus helped us to overcome the fear of death. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 2. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. It says this, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could He die, and only by dying could He break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. You don't have to be afraid of death. 
I said, you don't have to be afraid of death. It grieves me to see Christians hang on and suffer with no hope of getting better in this life. Hang on and suffer. Went on the other, just one step away, is eternal life of joy and health and healing. And it's because people don't, have not grasped. Paul said, he said it this way, he says, I'm in a straight betwixt two. He says, I have a depart, I have a desire to depart and be with Christ, which he said, which is far better. Paul, see, Paul had been caught up to heaven. He knew what was over there. He said, boy, I'm telling you, if you ever get a glimpse of it, he said, you won't want to stay here. So Jesus came and helped us. He helped us know the Father. Jesus came and helped us. He helped us overcome death. Jesus came and restored relationship. He helped us. He helped get relationship back with God the Father. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 21. For God made Christ. Now notice what it says. God made Christ. Who never sinned to be the offering for our sin. One translation says it this way. God made him who knew no sin to be sin. God made him who knew no sin to be sin. So that we might be made, one translation says, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's called the divine exchange. The divine substitute. Jesus helped us. He said, here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to give you my righteousness, and I'm going to take your sin. Now, that's a big help. I don't know about you. He says, I'm going to give you my righteousness, my right standing with God. Righteousness means right standing with God. He, listen to what he says. He says, I'm going to put you in the position that I'm in, as if I've never sinned. Remember what Jesus, he never sinned. Remember God the Father said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. Jesus had a perfect relationship with God the Father. We didn't. We were separated from God. We were strangers, foreigners, people who had sinned against God. We were enemies of God. And Jesus said, Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to help you. I'm going to take what you are. I'm going to become what you are, an enemy. And I'm going to let you become what I am, the child of God. That's the help. That's the help. And then Jesus died for us on the cross. He took our sins. He was raised from the dead. He overcome the greatest fear man had, death. He overcome death. And then he gets ready to us. He accomplished his mission. And just like us, when we accomplish our purpose, we go to heaven. Jesus accomplished his purpose. And he's getting ready to ascend into heaven. And he says, now I'm getting ready to leave. But remember, God said you needed a helper. You've needed a helper ever since you've been created. First the woman, then the law, then God sent me. Now I'm getting ready to leave. Now you've you got to have somebody. Jesus says, I'm going to send you another helper. John chapter 14, verse 6. Notice what it says. And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another helper. That word another means one just like me. One just like me. 
and he will abide with you forever. I like what the Amplified says of John 14, 26. John 14, 26, the Amplified says this, And I will ask the Father, John 14, uh, no, John 14, 16, I'm sorry, in the Amplified. John 14, 16 says, And I will ask the Father, he will give you another helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, to be with you forever. Last two weeks, I've shared with you the word parakletos is the word for comforter. And it literally means one whose purpose, whose intent, his reason for being on planet earth, his calling is to be alongside you, to come in close proximity to us. He will strengthen you. He will assist you, counsel you, advise us, coach us, defend us, and support us. Now, let's break some new ground today. Here's a verse that's often not noticed or overlooked. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians, the book of 2 Corinthians, or the letter of 2 Corinthians, is the second letter that the Apostle Paul is writing to the Christians at Corinth. 1 Corinthians is the first letter. 2 Corinthians is the second letter that Paul is writing to the Christians at Corinth. And he comes to the end of this letter... And he's sending his final words to them. All right? And this is what he says. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Be joyful, grow to maturity, encourage one another, live in harmony and peace. Then the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet each other with a sacred kiss. All of God's people here send their greetings. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That was his last words. Listen to what the New King James says in verse number 14 says. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. His last words to these Christians was, May the grace of Jesus... The love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. Now here's what most of us, we know about the grace of Jesus. We hear about grace all the time. Grace is a big subject. There's books written on grace. Books written on grace. You want to hear, hear if you want to hear, write, read some good stuff on grace, listen to Joseph Prince. Joseph Prince, he, he teaches on grace. He has amazing teachings on grace. We hear about grace all the time, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we hear about the love, the love of God, the love of God, okay? The love of God, the love is a Christian word. Every song we sing has love in it. Every sermon you've ever had, they mention love. Every Bible lesson you've ever been taught, it mentions love. Every book, Christian book that you've ever read, it talks about love. Every one of us know about the grace. We've heard it of the Lord. Every one of us have heard about the love of God. But notice what else Paul said. And the communion of the Holy Spirit. See, we hear about the grace. We hear about the love. But we usually stop right there. The communion of the Holy Spirit. That word communion in the original language is, is a word you've probably heard before if you've been around church world. It's the word koinonia, which has many wonderful meanings and some of them are communion, 
fellowship, partnership. The, the Bible says that God wants us to have, to understand the grace of Jesus, the love of God, and the communion, the fellowship, the partnership of the Holy Spirit. Now, you and I understand about, we've, we're trying to grow in the love of God and learn more. We're trying to understand the grace of Jesus. Did you know that the Holy Spirit wants to have fellowship with you? He wants to be your partner in life. He, he wants to have communion with you. I mean, think about it. Everything that Jesus did, it was because of fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Do you realize that Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit? Do you realize that Jesus was empowered by the... Jesus wouldn't even been here if it hadn't been for the Holy Spirit. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Holy Spirit. He healed people in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus cast out devils, demons, by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was resurrected from the dead by the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit that got him up out of the grave. Jesus is now seated at the right hand of God the Father. How did he do that? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Every time we see Jesus in the Gospels, him and the Holy Spirit are doing something. Now listen to me. If Jesus, the Son of God, who never sinned, needed the fellowship and the partnership and the communion of the Holy Spirit. How much do we need it? And here's what's amazing. It's available. It's available. We're not here alone. Remember what Jesus said. I'm going to send a comforter. I'm going to send a strengthener. I'm going to send a standby. I'm going to send an assistant. I'm going to send a counselor. I'm going to send them to help you. You're not here alone. I want to share a truth with you that you probably never thought about, but it's true. And I want, you, I want it to burn in you and never forget it. You, 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 every one of you, you are the object of the Holy Spirit's love and affection. The Holy Spirit is in love with you. We always talk about we need to love God. We, I want to tell you something. The Holy Spirit loves you. He has been wooing you for years. He's been flirting with you for years. He was the one that was flirting with you to get you to Jesus. The Holy Spirit loves you. He desires you. His attention, His gifts, His power, His Word has always been directed toward you. He was the one that was sent to be our helper. He, he was sent to be our comforter. He helped us come to Jesus. He wooed us to Jesus. He helps us grow as Christians. He, he helps us witness. He, he helps us worship. He helps us understand the Word of God. He only does that because He loves you. He's madly in love with you. You know, I, I, you know, I think of the Holy Ghost as a Casper, 
He ain't Casper the Friendly Ghost. He's not an impersonal being. He's not somewhere up yonder hovering around. He's down here on earth, and He loves you. You are the object of His love. In fact, let me, let me finish with this passage. Turn with me. Everybody turn now to James chapter 4, because whenever you hear this verse again, passage again, or if you ever read it in your Bible study, you are going to remember it. James chapter 4, verse number 1. Everybody, I'm going to give you a moment to get there. James chapter 4, verse number 1. James is talking. Remember what Paul said? May the grace of Jesus, may the love of God, and may the communion, the fellowship, the partnership of the Holy Spirit be with you. And then James comes right behind that, and this is what he says. James chapter 4, verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. Verse 3, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Now look at verse 4. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now look at verse 5. Or do you think... That the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us, the spirit, large S, Holy Spirit, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. Now, if I was to ask everyone in this room, what is your favorite Bible verse? I promise you, I'd put $1,000 on it. And I'm not supposed to bet. But you know it's not a sin if you win. So it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, so I'm, I'm, I, this is a guarantee here. If I was to ask everyone in this room, what is your favorite Bible verse? Not a one of you would have said, James 4, 5. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? The King James says it this way. The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy. The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy. That, I guarantee you, you hadn't thought of that verse in years. I guarantee you've never reread that verse. That's one of those verses you read and think, that's stupid and keep going. You haven't memorized that verse. It's not your favorite verse, but it carries such an amazing message. Listen to what he's saying. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit that dwells. The word dwells there comes from the Greek word which means to take up permanent residency. And it doesn't mean just to take up residency. It means... To fall in love with your house. It, 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 it literally means there. That, that word uh, dwelleth is from the word that means 
You love it so much, you were born there. You were raised there. That's where you live when you became an adult. After your parents moved out, you moved back in. You raised your children there. You hoped to die there. That's where all your kids come at holidays was home. It's when you watch the, the movie The Wizard of Oz and they say there's no place like home. There's no place like home. That's your place that you're thinking about, your home. And, and the Bible says the Holy Spirit who's in love with you has taken up permanent residency inside of you. And he, listen, it's not a hotel where he visits. It's his home. See, a lot of us, a lot of us think we're just a hotel for the Holy Spirit. We'll bring him in on Saturday night to stay for Sunday morning. And then he has to check out on Monday. And let us do our own thing. I want you to... And a lot of people think that the Holy Spirit, just we're a hotel and He just shows up at church service and then we He checks out and we have to live our life on our own all week long. I want you to know, we're not a hotel. He's not staying in a hotel. He says, the Spirit that dwelleth, that takes up permanent residency in you. And He loves that residency. He loves being there. He's thrilled about it. It's his home. He's proud of it. Okay? He's in love with you. Listen to what it says. Go back and look at it. James chapter 4, verse 5. Go back to the, uh, the King James. The Spirit that dwelleth, taking up permanent resting, in us lusteth. Now, you know, when we think of lust, it's usually a sinful connotation. Sexual lust. That's bad. Or lust of material things. And that word lusteth literally means a craving. An abnormal yearning. And, and people who are addicted to things, they, they have given way to lust. They have an abnormal yearning and craving for that thing that they're addicted to. It, it, it's all they think about, and it, it drives them to make oftentimes decisions that are not good for their life because there's a lust, an abnormal craving that's driving them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But listen to what it says. It says the Holy Spirit that's taken up permanent residency in you has an abnormal craving. He has a yearning. He has something driving him. Well, what in the world would the Holy... He'd never sinned. What in the world would the Holy Spirit have a lust for? You. He yearns for you. You are the object of His love and affection. You are His permanent dwelling. You, He loves you. And the Bible says He has an excessive love for you. He craves it. And look at what it says. The Spirit that's taken up permanent dwelling in you and loves being there, He has such a craving for you. It causes him to envy. Envy? 
The Holy Spirit envies? Yeah. A holy envy. The word envy means an anger. An anger that is brought about by by, uh, jealousy. What? Yeah. The Holy Spirit is jealous of you. He's jealous. He loves you so much that when your attention is drawn any other way, he gets jealous. You said, ah, I never heard such. Well, you ain't heard the Bible. Go back to James chapter 4 again. Read the whole context. James chapter 4, verse 1. Now let's read it with that understanding. James chapter 4, verse number 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask a man, miss, that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Now look at verse 4. Notice what verse 4 says. Put verse 4 up there. Adulterers and adulteresses. Listen to what the Lord says. He says when you... When you're craving for things you don't need, and when you're striving for things and asking for things that are not God's will for your life, and that's all you think about, and that's all you want, and that's all you let your mind be consumed of. He says things that you are willing to fight over and get mad over and lose relationships over and stuff you're willing to to leave your family for, to to leave uh, your common sense for that's craving. He says, when you do that, don't you understand? You're an adulterer and an adulteress. He says, don't you realize that friendship with the world is enemy with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in our, dwells in us yearns jealously? You know what he's saying? He's saying he's so in love with you. The Holy Spirit loves you so much that when your attention gets turned on ungodly things, the Holy Spirit sees it as you acting in adultery. And he that dwells in you craves for you to come back. Don't you see? He loves you. This 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 isn't no church thing on Sunday for him. To you, it might just be a church thing once a week. To him, it's every moment of every day. He's in relationship with you. This is not religion with him. This is not rules and regulations with him. This is communion, partnership, fellowship, relationship. This is a love walk. Don't you realize the whole time he was trying to get you to Jesus, he was flirting with you? He was flirting with you, enticing you to come. He was enticing you to come. He would send people across your path to share Jesus with you. He would remind you how you needed Jesus. He, that was his flirting with you to entice you. Why? Because he loves you. 
He loves you. This is not science. This is not some legalistic ritual thing. This is a love relationship. May the grace of Jesus and the love of the Father and the communion, the partnership of the Holy Spirit. And the whole time he was, come on, come to Jesus, come to Jesus, come to Jesus. He was flirting with you. He was, he was, he was enticing you. He was asking you out for a date. Constantly, 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 constantly. He was texting. Every chance he was texting. He was emailing. He was sending somebody. He was sending somebody. You remember him in school? You have some friend tell you, hey, so-and-so likes you. Do you like them? Do you remember those when you was growing up? Here's a note from so-and-so. Do you like me, Mark, yes or no? Do you remember that? Do you remember that? That's when he would send a laborer across your path. He was doing the same thing. He sent a laborer across your path. Have you ever met Jesus Christ? See, that was he was, he was trying to get you. He was flirting with you. And then one day, one day, one day, you say, I'll go out with you. I'll join with you. I'll get married to you. And he, you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. And he came in, he came in, and he came in, and he just didn't, it wasn't just a one-time thing. He came in, and he fell in love with you, and he don't want to go anywhere else. He takes up permanent dwelling. He, I mean, he, remember, he, he dwells in us, and that word dwells means geographical proximity. He's inside of us, he's right next to us. He's like Amanda was when we first got married. I'm an only child, and, 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 and my family don't touch. We don't hug. We, we didn't touch. I don't remember my dad probably two or three times in my life telling me he loved me. And we didn't touch. Banda, she's one of five. And, and they hug and touch and kiss. They go to the a mailbox and they hug one another. Go to the mailbox. And she was always wanting to touch me. Always wanting to touch me. I slept by myself all my life. I had the whole bed to myself. And I, and she, she always wanted to cuddle. I said, now I'll cuddle for a little bit. But after that, it's over, you know. And, and, and she was always, she was always touchy feely, touchy feely. Anybody married to a woman like that? Touchy feely. And that's the way the Holy Spirit is. He just, he just so loves you. He loves you. He wants to, he, he's just so happy with you. He's so at home inside of you. You let him in. You accepted his wooing and you accepted Christ and he came in and boy, oh, he, he's just what he lived for, just what he dreamed about. And now he's so in love with you and he just, and then all of a sudden, you get your attention on ungodly things, worldly things sinful things. Have you ever done something wrong and on the inside you feel yucky? You just feel terrible. You know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit who's been grieved. Why? Because you've gone out with another. An adulterer. An adulteress, he said. See, see, this is not about religion. This is about relationship. And if you'll grab hold of that, when you're tempted, when you're tempted to sin, when you're tempted to do things that are not right, when you're tempted to do ungodly things, if you'll realize 
It's not whether so-and-so sees me or not. It's not whether so-and-so catches me or not. I don't want to be committed adultery to the Holy Spirit. I'm not concerned if I get caught or not. The Holy Spirit sees all. I don't want to hurt Him. He's my lover. He's my friend. He's my companion. And I don't want to grieve Him. You are the object of His love. You are the object of His love. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the communion, the partnership and fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. It's great living life with a holy helper who's madly in love with you. (laughs) And you know what's amazing? If you mess up and grieve him, he gets grieved, but he doesn't get mad. He gets grieved, but he doesn't get offended. Have you ever had a friend that if you didn't give them attention, if you spoke to somebody else, they'd get offended and mad at you and wouldn't talk to you no more? Anybody ever had a friend like that? Well, I want you to know, if you put your attention on things other than the Spirit of God and godly things, he gets grieved, but he doesn't get offended. It hurts him. But as soon as you glance back his way, He'll run to you. He gets grieved, but he doesn't get offended. See, we have friends, if we don't give them all the attention, and if we don't speak to them, and they're the only friend we have, they'll get mad at you and won't even talk to you, won't even look at you. See, they get offended. Holy Spirit's not that way. It hurts him if you don't give him attention, but he doesn't get offended. He'll just take you right back. The communion of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Glory to God.